everybody. Welcome to the Football Outsiders live stream for January 13th, 2022. I am Aaron Schatz, Editor-in-Chief of FootballOutsiders.com, here with Mike Tanier, as always, and our guests for today's preview show, J.P. Acosta and Brian Knowles. And we are here to talk about Super Wild Card Weekend, which I guess is now going to be called Super Wild Card Weekend every year. Um, even if they do this for 20 years and it's always super, there's always six games. Or as I keep saying, when they go to eight playoff teams per conference and there's eight games, then they'll call it Super Duper Wild Card Weekend. And for all we know, there's going to be games on Tuesdays. They should just keep adding games on different days so they go super duper wild card weekend. Yeah. Super duper duper wild card weekend. Just keep going. Add do add more. Calafragilistic. Yes. Calafragilistic <laughs> wild card weekend. Disney's lawyers on line two. Not gonna happen. <laughs> so all right, we've got six games to preview today. Hello to everybody watching us. Don't forget, by the way, that if you are watching us on Twitch or YouTube to give us your questions about the games we are discussing. If you have questions about the later games, you probably want to hold on to them until later in the show because we're going to do the games in order of how they are being played this week. But we are happy to take your questions about the games this weekend, Wild Card Weekend, six big, really good games. And let's start with the first one, sort of the appetizer, which is the Las Vegas Raiders at the Cincinnati Bengals. Bengals minus five and a half is the line. It's a rematch. In fact, all these games are rematches except for Dallas, San Francisco. Hmm. Uh, week 11, the Bengals beat the Raiders 32 to 13. So the Raiders, you know, you don't want to take too much from one game that was already played because we all know that uh, when two teams meet for a second time, often different things happen. Like, you know, the Cardinals beat the Rams pretty badly, and then the Rams went and beat the Cardinals 10 weeks later, and now they'll play for a third time. And obviously the two Bills-Patriots games were pretty different, but uh, the Bengals did handle the Raiders pretty easily back in Week 11. Right. It, it was kind of a pull-away blowout you know it wasn't a blowout start to finish i think the bengals relied on a couple of long field goals in that game um and yet it, it was a pre when you look at it overall just every stage of the game rushing passing etc bengals look like they were a step ahead of raiders in that game i will say this game is very interesting to me because i think we've talked about all season the bengals are a very high variance team like one week looked like gangbusters beating the chiefs and then the next week they'll lose the jets they're they're a really weird team, but I also think the Raiders are kind of built to beat teams like Cincinnati because Cincinnati's weakness on offense is still the offensive line. Oh, yeah. Like, Joe Burrow has had MVP caliber season, but their offensive line is not giving him any help for real. He's had yeah, to create a lot of a lot on his own. The thing, the thing that kills him in the football outsider stats is sacks. Mm -hmm. And, yep. I mean – the fact is sacks are a quarterback stat, but they're also an offensive line stat. And the offensive line, they are um, 30th in ESPN's pass block win rate and 31st in adjusted sack rate. So that is a problem. Yeah, and Jamar Chase Raiders, is going to be able to okay. – The Raiders' entire MO on defense is win with four. Don't, don't ask us about our secondary. Don't ask us about our second level. It just – Focus on Max Crosby, Yannick Ngakwe. Max Crosby leads the NFL in pressures. 
he rushes mainly from the right side of the line, so their right tackle is going to have a terrible day. So <laughs> that that's really where this game is going to be decided. If the Bengals can protect Joe Burrow long enough to get the ball to Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, and C.T. Uzama. Uh, CCX3 asks, what's the word on Burrow's health? A hobbled Burrow will get mauled even more than usual by the pass rush. Full practice on Tuesday, still listed on the injury report with a knee injury, but full practice. So that's the most updated information I've got. I think one of the reasons the Bengals are inconsistent is because their offense is so dependent on either big plays Mm-hmm. But they also take so many sacks that there's like a big variance between the really deep shots and those amazing Jamar Chase plays on one hand and then Burrow just getting sacked leading to a three and out on the other hand. Right. So I think that that's part of the variance is because there's sort of a high variance offense as far as the, from a play to play standpoint. Right. Raiders on the other hand are kind of like a non-existent offense, except when they're getting pass interference penalties. And Well, they're not that non-existent. I mean, no. they, they like the pass interference penalties, but they, they get some good medium gains, you know? I yeah. mean, Renfro is good, and Waller, you know, assuming he's finally healthy, is obviously good. Um, and the Bengals only rank 24th against tight ends in DVOA, but their running game has not been, like, except against the Chargers, their running game has not been very well, that also helps with the Chargers' run defense being one of the worst I have seen at the NFL right. level. But mm-hmm. I think that also plays into the Bengals. I think the Bengals are – I think they're near the top in adjusted uh, line yards defensively, but open field yards, they're near the bottom. So if you get past that front four, you can really make some shake at that point. And I think that the Raiders, despite not having a very good run game, is what happens when you get rid of all your offensive linemen in the offseason. I think they'll have a little bit of success throwing the ball to Darren Waller, assuming he's healthy, getting the ball to Hunter Renfro in the slot because the Bengals just aren't built like to win that way defensively. When they played uh, in Week 11, uh, Darren Waller had seven receptions for 118 yards. No other Raider was over 30. It was all they shut down everyone but Waller, and, and one is not enough. So the Raiders gonna have to get. Two guys going here if they're going to win. Right. Your car is going to go to that. Screw it. Darren Waller's down there somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> Here's an interesting question from Tom Berman. Would you take this group of Bengals skill position players over their 2015 group? Ooh. When they had A.J. Green, Marvin Jones, Muhammad Sanu, Tyler Eifert, Hill, and Gio Bernard. That's a tough question because uh, we're going to be biased by the fact that we know kind of what happened to that 2015 group over the next couple of years. Well, mm-hmm. there's still limitless potential for this group. I mean, Jamar Chase might be, you know, he might be the best ever. He's doing great. He's doing fantastic. We know that the, that the rest of the 2015 Bengals kind of trailed off over gradually over the next few seasons. Right. But I, I like I like I like this receiving core. I think this is a very good and very young receiving core. I I, I think I would take this year's this year's group. I think I'm leaning this year because I think Joe Mixon is better than Jeremy Hill and Gio Bernard. I think he combines what Gio Bernard and both Jeremy Hill both do really well. He combines that into one player. And when he gets going in their outside zone run game, when they get under center and they can run the ball really well, that's when their offense takes off like massively because then they can do all the stretch boot play action they can open up those holes in the zones for Joe Burrow to find. And it it makes them not so reliant on 
hey, Joe Burrow, go beat this free rusher, or hey, Jamar Chase, beat this double team 20 yards down the field. It gives them a lot more options in their offense. I'm going to take the 1988 group of Eddie Brown and Chris Collinsworth, Ike Woods, James Brooks, uh, <laughs> over both of them. Uh, no, if I had to pick, I, I think I would go. I think I would go with this group because I like the upside there. That other group was phenomenal, though. Yeah, the, the the one player where I feel strongly the 2015 group was better would be tight end. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, otherwise, I think I kind of like the 2020 guys better than the 2015 guys at pretty much every position. Um, although obviously, you know, Chase would have to do this for multiple years before we'd say he was as good as AJ Green, but. He did it for one year. He's done it this year. I mean, he basically beat Kansas City by himself. <laughs> that was an amazing game. Right. Um, what, yeah. if anything, will the Bengals do to try to reduce Max Crosby's impact as a pass rusher? What you'll so, go ahead. So one of the things that the Bengals have really done in recent weeks is when they go empty, they'll keep uh, Mixon or uh, Uzama in like close to the line, and they'll chip block before releasing yeah. to the flat. So. They'll probably do that. Um, I don't think they can double with another offensive line, but they're going to chip. They're going to try and get that right tackle some help. Um, but the thing about Max Crosby is he's just relentless, man. You can chip block. You can double. But he's going to find a way to get home. You don't lead the NFL in pressures by just not being a hard, like, a maximum effort guy, along with him being a very good technical pass rusher. So – you're not going to, like, re- I don't think you can, like, seriously reduce his impact, but there are ways where you can, like, okay, we'll try and slow him down on in these situations and make sure he doesn't kill us. We'll say in the fourth quarter in overtime, unless I was hallucinating at that point last night, the Raiders were getting no pass rush against the Chargers, doing all those fourth and ten conversions, et cetera. So, but, again, that's probably snap number 75, 76, 77 at the end. It's probably a little bit of a mush rush to keep Herbert from, from running. But when you watch the Bengals, what you'll see, exactly what you were saying, JP, it'll start empty, and then they'll wave either a back end or they'll move, wave the tight end, and, and it'll be, like, coordinated at the snap with Barrow, probably lining him up on Crosby's side so that he's there to, yeah, give a chip or, or, or to do a leak route or something like that. So that's like it's sort of at the line of scrimmage. So if you move Crosby around, there's a method for moving the protection around easily to slide in his direction. So the line is Bengals minus five and a half. What is your pick in this game against the spread? I'll, I'll, take, I'll take the Bengals and lay the points. Uh, I think – the only way the way the Raiders are going to win is if the bad Bengals show up. If, if the variants here, I don't see a way that the Raiders can do. This is what we're going to do proactively and we're going to beat the Bengals. It'll be like, oh, the Bengals had a bad day and the Raiders took advantage of it. And in these situations like that, I'll take the Bengals on the points. I think I'm also going to take the Bengals on the points. I just I think there are too many weapons on this offense. You you can't slow them down unless Bill Burrow or Jamar Chase aren't hitting. Like if. Like what Brian said, if the bad Bengals show up, then the Raiders might have a chance. But if we see the Bengals that we saw against the Chiefs, then it could get ugly. Take the Bengals and the points on walkthrough. I talked about first quarter parlay. Saturday afternoon, you had your first drink. You want to play a first quarter parlay. These are two bad first quarter offenses in DVOA. They're both in the 20s in first quarter offense. Over under for the first quarter is nine and a half. I'm going under. Rooting for maybe some field goals, maybe some stops early, getting the big win before the big weekend happens, then taking the Bengals and the points after. And you know what? I'm I'm going Bengals too. 
you know, I will admit it's entirely subjective. I just feel like our numbers are too low on the Bengals. I just feel like the Bengals are a better team than our numbers say because of their ability to hit these big plays. And while their defense is their defense is really not strong, I just think their offense can overwhelm the Raiders' defense, despite the fact that the Raiders will get to Burrow. They sacked him three times in the first meeting, and I wouldn't be surprised if they sacked him more than three times in this meeting, but I think when they do keep Burrow upright, he'll get the ball downfield. All right, second game, what in my mind is the marquee matchup of the weekend, uh, certainly by DVOA it is, and that is the Patriots at the Bills, 8 o'clock, uh, 8.15 Saturday night. Line is Bills minus four. Obviously, these two teams split two games during the regular season. One game, which was really weird and probably teaches us nothing other than that Bill Belichick knows how to game plan. <laughs> the other game was a real outlier where Josh Allen may have had his best performance of the season. The Patriots have the number one defense on third down. But in that second Bills-Patriots game, the Bills converted six of 12 third downs and three of four fourth downs including four out of five, third and 10 or more. Meanwhile, the Patriots only converted one third down the whole game. It is very unlikely that that will continue to happen on both ends. Either the Bills are going to have shorter third downs and convert them, or they're not going to convert as many of them, and the Patriots will probably convert more of them. So the thing about like that last game they played, like you said, Josh Allen might have had the best game of his career against the Patriots. And I think what the Bills should go back to is using him in the run game. Yes. They missed out on that the first time they played in whatever we want to call that, the snow bowl, the wind bowl. Uh, we can call it whatever we want, but they're going to have to use Josh Allen in the run game. And that win they had against the Patriots, they used him on quarterback sweeps. They borrowed a lot of run game from the Ravens and just getting him in the open field because when it's cold, you don't want to tackle a 6'5", 240-pound quarterback that can move like Josh Allen. I know the Patriots defense is fantastic, but tackling hurts, and it sucks when it's in the cold. So I'm, I'm excited to see what they use, how they use Josh Allen in the run game. And it's and going to be very, very cold. My brother, who lives in Buffalo, has been texting me basically every day. It's going to be high of nine is the current is the current uh, thing. Uh, wind gusts will be snowing during the day, probably not during the game, but during the day beforehand. It's going to be bitterly cold out there. Right. I'm seeing on the 10-day forecast high of 11. That's the Weather Channel. The, the the temperature and the line are starting to match up, which is never a good sign. Uh, I, yeah. Line? That is the temperature and the point spread. Uh, we should look this up. When when has the, the temperature been lower than the point spread in a game? That's probably something that, that Titans Patriots two thousand three. That that and the ice bowl between the Bengals and the Chargers back in nineteen eighty. What was that? Eighty one or eighty two? Right. Right, that's that's when even the the favorite is below the favorite's uh, side of the line. In that um, case. It, it I think one reason to think this game will be closer is the weather. Like it's not going to be like the, the Patriots are not going to throw only three passes again again, but it's going to be cold. That tends to suggest maybe more turnovers. More turnovers favors the underdog. I also think that. The same thing that we said the pre first when we did this show about the first two Bills Patriots matchups applies here, which is the Bills are a finesse team. The Patriots want to wallop you in the mouth with their offensive line. 
The Bills' defensive line is built much more around rushing the passer than stopping the run. That being said, the Bills' running game is just as efficient as the Patriots' running game. They just don't use it as much. And so if they want to run the ball with Singletary and, like, Zach Mott, like, they can do it. Like, they should be able to have some success doing it. And I think um, I think Mina Kimes uh, posted this stat the other day where Josh Allen has, like, a 50% completion percentage in freezing weather. And he's, like, 40th out of 41 quarterbacks in that stat. So it's just like in cold weather, Josh Allen goes back to 2018 Josh Allen. So I think for the Patriots offense, they have to stay ahead of the sticks. It's important for this offense specifically to stay ahead of the chains because that way you can get your run game more involved. You take some of the reliance off of Matt Jones to make so many plays, which is exactly what had to happen in the last meeting because when Matt Jones has to make plays, he's still a rookie. He's going to make those mistakes. So I think for them, it has to rely on, they have to get the, they have to get good games on early downs. You have to stay ahead of the sticks. And I think Buffalo's defense, while they're still the best in the league, like you said, they are a very finesse team. They're very, uh, we're going to force you, we're going to make your own mistakes instead of like taking it to the other team. Yeah. By the way, Aaron, we were discussing yesterday about going four wide for the Bills. Uh, because of the success McKenzie had? Yes, McKenzie killed the Patriots with his speed in the second game between these teams when Cole Beasley was on the COVID list. I was looking at the NFL GSIS, uh, four wide receivers splits. And uh, we because yesterday we said, I don't think the Bills go four wide very often. They're actually fourth in the league with the most dropbacks with a four wide receivers on the field. And these are, this is not formation. This is not like a tight end split out four wide receivers. They use the four wide receiver formations more often than any other team except the Cardinals, the shocking Vikings, and the Jets. So they have, and it looks like their efficiency on that is pretty good. So they can. I, go I, I would do it. I would go with it because um, absolutely, you want to spread out. The, the Patriots are down on defensive backs if Jalen Mills stays on the COVID list. If you want to end up with McKenzie against Bryant, you could just do that all day long the second time these teams played. I would go the four wide. Mills isn't going to stay on the COVID list. He's going to come off and have the amazing play at the end of the game. I keep warning you, this is what Jalen Mills does. This is exactly what Jalen Mills does. Like, yes, he, he's kind of gar- like not real good for all the season, and he makes this amazing play in the playoffs. So this is this I, is his time. It's also interesting to see how the Patriots treat Allen because they didn't want to spy him last time, so he got – his scrambles. Um, We found on the ESPN stats, this really interesting dichotomy where Allen is one of the worst quarterbacks in the league this year against blitzes Hmm. and one of the best quarterbacks in the league against pressure. (laughs) Oh, like in other words, he's not as good as he should be if they pick up the blitz. But if you rush with four, you can pressure him and then he'll scramble and then he'll do something amazing. And so does that mean you blitz him or does that mean you don't blitz him? Like, I don't yeah. know what the proper response to that dichotomy is. Yeah, yeah, you unsuccessfully. Yes, yes, blitz, blitz badly. That's the trick. That's the thing. Rushing with four, you activate his trap card, which is yeah. the weird Josh Allen stuff. Also, I'll point out, expect the Bills to get plenty of yards on first down. The Patriots defensive split by down, they are 18th. On first down, but second on third, uh, second on second, and first on third. 
But I will say about the usage of the four wide, the very air raidy spread concepts is that does limit what you can do in the run game. And that's the problems that we've seen with the Bills this year. They want to go all this spread. They want to run all the wide cross, four vert stuff, get Josh Allen, throwing the explosive plays down the field. But then that limits what you can do, what kind of looks you can give defenses. I think we've seen it throughout the NFL this year. Like the whole, the whole what was wrong with the Chiefs thing. That's what happened. It's you spread all these teams out. You have all these four wide receivers on the field, but unless you have a Cooper Cup or a Robert Woods or receivers that can block, then you limit what you can do in the run game. Yeah. So I will, I do think it's interesting what they're going to do on those early downs to give them multiple different looks because you kind of have a one-man run game in Josh Allen for the Bills. So you can really do whatever you want. It just depends on – Wow, this game is really starting to seem like, hey, if Josh Allen go. If Josh Allen plays good, then this is going to be a really good game for Bills. If Josh Allen is bad, Josh Allen, then this is not going to end well. They did run twenty-eight times out of a four-wide receiver set, second only to the Cardinals, who, of course, you would imagine do that a lot. And the one look you can give is like a zone read look out of that. So you yeah. can't do a lot of creativity with your running game, but you've got two backs you can run in the backfield when you put Allen in there. Yeah. All right, guys, what do you think? Bills minus four. I mean, this is the hardest game of the weekend to pick. This is that this line is right on it for me. Mm. I think I am going to take the Bills because I, I saw them. They were able to force Mac Jones into having – like they, they were able to put the game on Mac Jones' shoulders in the second matchup, and Jones isn't there yet. And I think they'll be able to repeat that. Um, I'm going to go with the Bills as well. Uh, in the playoffs, I usually tend toward, to lean towards a team with a better quarterback, and Josh Allen has been playing out of his mind recently. So I think he'll be able to make enough plays to give the Bills a win. Go on, Patriots. Uh, take those points and bank them, although I uh, played a parlay with the money line. And keep in mind, at seven degrees or whatever, uh, with a windshield making it minus two, it's under weather, folks. And the over-under is 44, which is a little lower than I would like. But in that icy cold, there's teams going to be running the ball. Kicking game is going to be hard. Take the under in this one. I'm also going with Patriots plus four. I am fully expecting to be disappointed by a very close Patriots loss. (laughs) (laughs) So, but you'll get four points. So you get the... On the, on the, on the... On the line, though, especially with the cold weather, I like the idea of the game being close. So I like the idea of Patriots plus four on the line. But I'm not, I'm not, I will say as a Patriots fan, I'm not feeling particularly confident about this game. And I look forward to lots of people lambasting me for those midseason numbers where we had the Patriots so high after they lose this game to the Bills, ignoring the fact that our midseason numbers also had the Bills really, really high too. Like we've had the Bills really high all year. The Bills are a really good team. (laughs) <laughs> uh, let's move to Sunday. Eagles at Buccaneers. Buccaneers minus eight and a half. They met in week six. Buccaneers beat the Eagles, although it was surprisingly close, only 28 to 22. Mm. Uh, Tampa Bay, by the way, throws more deep passes than any other team in the league, and they're fourth in DVOA on deep passes. I thought that was interesting. Not that that's a particular weakness of the Eagles' defense, but there are no really particular strengths of the Eagles' defense this year. They just like they're just kind of they, 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 they don't actively lose. They don't actively screw it up. <laughs> the only I guess the only strength is their pass rush. They're fourth in pass rush win rate. Mm-hmm. 
And the Buccaneers surprisingly only 19th in ESPN's pass block win rate. Their offensive line is so well regarded that I'm a little surprised that that is so low. But the secondary and the linebackers for the Eagles are not that great. Right. Some of that win rate also is playing the Giants twice. Yeah, the Falcons and things like that. I don't think it's a bad pass rush, but the Eagles had one of the weakest schedules. Yeah. What I will say is I think this Eagles offense is a lot different than the one that the Bucs saw in week six because they've essentially just said, screw throwing the ball downfield. We have Jalen Hurts, and we have one of the best offensive lines in football. We're going to run the ball at you. And I think that kind of leans in Philly's favor if Levante David doesn't play. You've seen the Bucs' run defense take a huge hit with Levante David out. He is – Again, he's one of the most underrated players in the league. I've been saying this for such a long time now. Um, I think this is going to be a lot closer than people think it's going to be. And I think because I I think the Eagles offense is really fun. I think it's going to be a really interesting matchup to see that offensive line go up against the Bucks' defensive front, especially, like I said, if Levante David doesn't play. Because the Eagles throw so many different looks at you. They can go zone read. They go power. They run trap. And their run game, their run, their offensive line gets after you in the run game. So it's going to be really fun. Jason Kelsey versus Vita Vea is one of my favorite matchups this of the season so far. I can't I, I, wait. I will say the Tampa Bay run defense mm-hmm. was fourth in the league in the first nine weeks of the season. 17th in the last nine weeks of the season. The Tampa Bay run defense has not been as good as it had been in the past over the last few weeks. Part um, of that is the, is the uh, ever-changing uh, roster out there. With everyone be getting so hurt and so much, knowing just who was going to show up any week it was a real, you know, it's a real crapshoot. If Levante David comes back, if Shaq Barrett comes back from the COVID list, all, all these people come back. I think the Buccaneers will look more like we expected the Buccaneers to look and how they looked in the first half of the season. But they've been just ravaged. I mean, the secondary, they're starting guys off the street at some point in December. Yeah, earlier in the season. Most of the guys in the secondary are healthy now. It was earlier in the season that they were starting like Pierre Desir and stuff. Jim Steckschulte says, is there any difference in the Tampa Bay run defense against running back runs versus quarterback runs that creates an advantage either way? I just looked that up and it doesn't look like it. Okay, I got different numbers here. Oh, interesting. Where are you looking? I'm at Sports Info Solutions. And Buccaneers, uh, they faced 28 attempts, designed quarterback runs, 149 yards rushing. That's like 5.1 yards. Oh, um, my numbers include scrambles. That's why I think it might be different. And and what I'm looking at really is Taysom and (laughs) and Josh Allen. Uh, which ha- who had a bunch of design runs against them for success in that close loss, and a little bit of Jalen earlier in the season. I'm almost certain of that. Um, but it, I think I don't think this is a great vulnerability. But teams have attacked with read option type concepts and had a degree of success. Obviously, the Saints have success against the Buccaneers. I don't think it's because of the read option. That was a nine nothing game. I, I will point out that the Eagles' offense, the fact that they don't throw in the middle of the field, is a real problem against the Bucks. The Bucks defense is weaker against passes in the middle of the field than on the sides. And, of course, the Eagles throw in the middle of the field less than any other team by a substantial amount. Yeah. And that first game, they were really – the early part, I think it was 27-3 to early in that game. And that was when Sirianni was doing the established the screen offense 
yep. in the entire first quarter with screen passes. Now that's gone, but you're right. They still don't throw over the middle very often. I will say for the Bucks offense, like we're not, I'm not super concerned because you have Tom Brady and you have Gronk, but they are, they are signing receivers off the street to play in this game. Like, I think they just signed John Brown. Yes. For their practice oh. squad. Yep. They just, John Brown has been on seven teams this season. Um, I'm not super concerned, like I said, because you have Tom Brady, you have Mike Evans, and you have Gronk still. They should be able to exploit an Eagles defense that I really can't see what they do well because they're kind of – they, they, they can rush the passer. I think um, Javon Hargrave has had a fantastic season. Yes. Parker Cox is always going to get after people. Um, Florida State alum, Josh Sweat, has played well. But – I really do worry about that uh, about the uh, linebackers for the Eagles against Gronk because yeah. the Eagles linebackers are not good. So we're gonna see. I think that might be the first matchup that the Bucks go against. And CCX three says, "Can Goddard exploit that?" I assume he means Tampa Bay being weak in the middle of the defense. The problem is the Eagles don't exploit it. Right. Like they don't, they just don't do it. They don't throw passes there. So right. Goddard will have four catches for 66 yards. That'll be the sum total of the throws over the middle of the field. That's how it'll go. Cause you can't, there's none of the receivers can work the middle. Okay. Yeah. Jalen Rager cannot work the stadium. Uh, Smitty is a outside guy and a screen guy and everything else like that. And JJ Arcega white side is a person who has a helmet and <laughs> he is a receiver. He, well, he is a football player. Yeah. He's one thing schematically for the Eagles, that's one of the things they changed up in the middle of the season. They're like, okay, we, we know what our quarterback strengths are. We're just going to do that. They right. got him out on design bootlegs. They roll, they're rolling him out doing half field reads. It's giving him a lot less stuff to look at. One of the things about throwing over the middle of the field is there are a lot more bodies there. So you have to throw through really tight windows in the middle of the field. By, by the way, I'll, I'll, I feel like we're dissing on the Eagles a lot here. I guess I feel better about their chances of keeping this close, though. I think, I think this the game injuries that the Buccaneers are dealing with. I think this game is going to be closer than people think. Especially, like I said, if Levante David is 100%, their run defense is exploitable. And I'm, I really like the Eagles' run game. So it'll be closer than people think. So Buccaneers minus eight and a half, you would go with Eagles plus eight and a half. Yeah. I don't think they're going to win, but it's going to be closer than people think. I just I think the Buccaneers are getting healthy at the right time here. I think I think that I think the reinforcements are coming on defense in the front seven. I think they're gonna shut them down. And I just I know the Eagles running game is interesting and stuff like that, but I just I see their receivers and I just I, I can't I can't I can't give I can't take them with points. I've got to get take the Buccaneers on this. <laughs> yeah, I mean the eight and a half is tempting. I'm gonna say bet with my heart as an Eagles fan and take the eight and a half, but I'm not endorsing that really strongly. I think I think Brian's right. This could this could go south. Yeah, I'm on Eagles plus eight and a half as well. Um, I, I think the Buccaneers should win, but it might be closer than people expect because of the injuries that they're dealing with. And I do think the Eagles will be able to run on them more than they did the first time these teams played. So, uh, And CCX3, Arians conservatism will bite him too. That is an issue. The fact is we know that Arians is very conservative about fourth down. And I think that's more likely to lead to a closer game too. Backdoor cover, definitely that could work. If he just starts putting when he's got a lead, yep. 
back for another home. interesting thing about this game is in week six, Antonio Brown had like almost 100 yards receiving. Yes. They're not going to have an Antonio Brown this week. So I'm sure he's apologizing all over Instagram. I mean, in, what, in what clearly sound like his words that were not written by a, a, a publicist in any way. I would love to see him like run out the tunnel like the ultimate warrior in like, the mid third quarter of the game while they're while the Bucks are on the field and like third down. He just sprints out the field and like he picks up his uh, helmet, he picks up his pads right where he left them in New York, in the same field area. He just puts them on while he's sprinting back. And Brady's just like, What are you doing? I'm like, I'm ready. Put me in, coach. Put me in. I was like, Okay, just roll with it. Security. <laughs> He promised the security guard a hundred dollar bill. He never paid them. He just got past them. <laughs> All right, 49ers at Cowboys. We were talking about earlier, uh, I think before we came on the air. We have no idea why this game was not put in prime time. Yeah. Like this is, is the this seems like the closest of all the playoff games this week. And here's the interesting thing about the Cowboys being number one in DVOA. Four of the last six teams to finish the season number one at DVOA lost their first playoff games. And amazingly, only two different number one teams have won Super Bowls since 2003. Stats are for losers. In addition, this is the this is the 49ers are the toughest opponent a number one DVOA team has had in the wild card round hmm. since the Patriots played the Ravens back in 2009 which was the last time the number one team in DBA lost in the wild card round. Speaking of people only throwing we'll three say. times. I, 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 I will say this, by the way, from 1983 to 2002, the number one team in DVOA won the Super Bowl 12 times. All right. So for some reason, <laughs> the last 20 years have seen a lot more randomness than the 20 years before that. Hmm. Hey, I mean, football um, limitates life. I don't know. No. But so interesting dichotomy here. Dallas's defense is second against the pass and 16th against the run. San Francisco's defense is second against the run and 16th against the pass. <laughs> and as I pointed out on Twitter, the 49ers defense has a really, 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 really obvious weakness, which is they are second against the run, fourth against the short pass and 32nd against the deep pass. <sighs> in order to make the deep pass happen, you have to stay upright long enough to throw the deep pass, which is a little bit of an issue with their defensive line. See, I think it's going to be really, really interesting, and it's for re the reason that you said, it's the Niners' pass rush can take over games. They took over the second half of that Rams game, mm. and what they do is they find your weakest offensive lineman and they throw the whole kitchen sink at him. I think um, Connor Williams or whoever starts at left is going to be in for a very tough game. Um, EJ Jones, Eric Armstead, they've all been playing amazingly this season. Of course, you're going to have the Nick Bosa. Um, Nick Bosa is going to be Nick Bosa. He's arguably going to win comeback player of the year. Um, Arden Key has nine and a half sacks, mm. like sacks this year. Where did that come from? I don't know. But like you said, they they do have a clear problem, which is throwing when you throw the ball deep, they're gonna have problems because they just don't have a lot of healthy yeah. talent at corner. They, the Niners lead the league with 19 defensive pass interferences against them this year. Mm. So, you know, maybe you think, oh, that's their problem deep passing. So I, I looked at DVA if you take all the penalties out, and they do get better. 
they go to 31st in the league in deep passes if you ignore penalties. So yeah, if, if Dak Prescott can stay upright long enough to find Amari Cooper deep, the Niners cannot handle that. They cannot stop that deep. They, they are terrible in the middle of the field. Even with Emmanuel Mosley coming back, even with uh, Ambry Thomas looking better than he did in his first couple of day, uh, games thrown in the fire, they cannot keep up with Cooper deep. It's just not going to happen. So the biggest problem with the Cowboys offense is themselves. They yes. shoot themselves in the foot. The drop passes. Um, I think as much as good as Kellen Moore is an offensive play caller, he kind of varies between like, okay, we're going to go heavy run game, 12 personnel, mm. or we're going to go spread. There's no mesh in between. There's yeah. no mirror of the concepts. They need to not put this game on Ezekiel Elliott's shoulders. Like sprinkle in the run, no question about it. But this game, if they want to beat San Francisco, it is about the passing game. And I guess flipping it to the other side of the ball, I think this is not a good matchup for Dallas's defense. I think Kyle Shannon and Mike McDonald, they relies on over-aggressive defenses and over-aggressive linebackers. Dallas's entire MO this year has been aggression. We are going to take the defense, we are going to take the action to you and force you to react. Your entire offense is just built on misdirection and using your eyes against you. They did it perfectly against the Rams. They just lead. I talked about any given Sunday. They just lead zone toss 20 straight times, and the Rams <laughs> linebackers were stuck in mud. It was it was hilarious to see. Um, Michael Parsons is going to have to be a game changer like he's been this season because he, as good as he is, I still think there are problems with his eyes. And I think that's something the Niners can absolutely capitalize on. And the, the, other, the other problem the Cowboys have, the other reason it's a bad matchup, is they are terrible at yards after the catch. Trayvon Diggs has given up more yards after catch than any other cornerback in football. Mm. And both Anthony Brown and Jordan Lewis are in the top 10. Debo Samuel is number one in the league in uh, Yak Plus. Brandon Ayuk is number five. George Kittle is fourth among tight ends. Mm. This is not going to go... What, it's the thing, when the ball... With the passing game, the Cowboys have the advantage before the ball is thrown because they do have that pass rush. But once the ball is in the air, they flip right over to the Niners because because if they can get any of those guys open in space, they're going to be off to the races. Yep, their entire offense is built on yards after the catch, and they have every possible body to make sure that happens. I mean, Debo Samuel is one of the best receivers after the catch. About Kittle, um, I think Juan Jennings played really well against the Rams. So this game, I don't think this is a very good matchup for Dallas defensively. I think this Jim, is the one team that they did not want to get. Jim Stickshultz, he says, who is the bigger threat to the Cowboys, Debo or Kittle? I will say the Cowboys are 17th against tight ends. That's a relative weakness for them. So I think Kittle might actually be the bigger threat, but I would be worried about Debo Samuel running. Yep. And they will get Trent Williams back for this game. Yeah, He didn't play um, last week, but he's going to play. Dallas is number one in DVOA against number one receivers, but Debo Samuel is not a regular number one receiver. Right. Receivers don't spend 10% of their plays in the backfield. Right. CCX3, by the way, asks about DVOA splits without week 18. Dallas would have still been number one for the year, even if you take week, t week 18 out. They just would have only been number one by like a slight decimal point hmm. over Buffalo and Tampa Bay if you take out week 18. But here's a stat. Dak Prescott's past DVOA. 
weeks one to six, 43%. After his calf injury and not including the game against the Eagles backups, so week eight to 17, 2.5%. Like none of us have, I mean, we we know that he's slumping, but I don't know if we know quite how much he's slumped since that calf injury. Yeah, My feeling about Prescott has been sort of my feeling about Mahomes from midseason, which is in the long run, we know that he's good. Yeah. Like he's going to snap out of the slump, like, right. you know, not to the same level as Mahomes because he didn't start at the same level as Mahomes. But mm-hmm. I feel I keep feeling like Prescott's going to snap out of the slump. But if it's tied to the calf injury, I don't know if he's going to snap out. Right. And we're not talking about the long run. We're talking about Sunday afternoon. Right. Yeah. That could be why they've gone away from the play action kind of boot concepts because Dak just can't move. Like he can't get out of the pocket like that with a, with a calf injury. So unless he, if he's not fully healthy, then that limits what they can do offensively. All right. Cowboys minus three. What is your pick? This is my one upset pick. I'm going to take the Niners. I'll take the Niners in this game. I I think momentum is a real thing in football, especially when you have the Niners can beat teams. They can catch teams off guard with the way they play, which is they put their best players in positions where they are better than you and they can put them in positions to win, and they can win with four pass rushing. They can stop you at um, running the ball, and then they can get after you rushing the pass. Um, like I said, I don't know if this is a really good matchup for Dallas's defense, and I don't know. I'm kind of, I'm kind of feeling the uh, the Niners off. I'm feeling the Niners upset. I am taking Dallas and giving the points on this one. I mean, as an impartial observer, the the Cowboys are just the better team. They've been a bit, they've been the better team for most of the year, including just if you look at just over the last nine weeks, where the Niners have really picked it up. If they if they were to throw deep on a consistent basis, the Cowboys will win. If they can force Jimmy Garoppolo into multiple interceptions by disguising coverages, the Cowboys will win. I do think it's a very good matchup for the 49ers, and I think they've got a real chance in this one. But I don't know. I'm, pe- I'm pessimistic. Are, are you are you trying to choke yourself? Are, are you – is this a security blanket? I'm, I'm, it's just cold in here. It's Chicago. What do you want? That's, that's all this is. I, I thought, He's pointing I out what an impartial observer he is. Yeah. I mean, right. You need to put a helmet on at that point just to really emphasize the impartial – It's across the room. I don't have time to go get it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Okay. You guys almost talked me into the 49ers on this, but for a lot of the reasons Brian said, I'm pretty – comfortable with the Cowboys and and I'm sticking with the Cowboys. I want the Cowboys because I would like for the number one team in DVOA to win a playoff game. And because I have money on them from my trip to Vegas, I have money on them making the Super Bowl. but I'm actually going to take the 49ers plus three. I think if it was even, I would go with the Cowboys, but I'll take the 49ers and the points. I do think this is just a bad matchup. It's a bad matchup for both defenses, frankly. Right, but I think it's a worse matchup for the Cowboys defense than it is for the 49ers defense because of the fact that the 49ers pass rush should be able to somewhat neutralize that, like the the weakness that they have on the deep throws. Over is up at 50.5. Now that you say that, that's pretty high, but the over might be tasty the way you're describing it. 
Joey Suck says, how has Dallas looked with week-in, week-out game plans? That was among the knocks on McCarthy's Green Bay teams and something where you think of Shanahan as being very good. I mean, they've won like four out of their last five games, Dallas has, but. I mean, some of those games. Um, defense the offense definitely over. has looked stagnant. Yeah, the defense. Some of those games. But. I think the main point here is I've seen Kyle Shanahan win playoff games with Jimmy G only throwing eight passes. Mm. I don't know how many passes Jimmy G is going to throw in this game. He can throw from like 30 to like two. <laughs> we'll definitely see. All right. I think um, one more question is Abe, Abe Navarrete. Is Dallas better suited to use Micah in an edge role or as a traditional off-ball linebacker? I lean more towards off-ball linebacker. That's what you were saying about his eyes, right, uh, JP? Yeah, I personally, I want him to be used more as an edge. I think um, the way Dan Quinn's defense works is they're going to leave an open B gap for that Will Backer in the uh, in their four three defense, and then when they go to third down, they move him closer to the edge, where you know he can get a matchup on favorable favorable positions. But I really just think he is a game changer as a pass rusher. But the problem there is they got Randy Gregory and DeMarcus Lawrence already, so you can't have him there on first through third down. But on third down, you can move DeMarcus Lawrence inside, and you can have um, excuse me, you can have Michael Parsons, Randy Gregory on the edge, and they provide you a lot of different matchups. So I, I want him more as an edge. I feel like he's going to have to be an off-ball in this game because Leighton Van Der Esch and Keanu Neal are going to be put in the phantom zone by All right, this is the game I think we're going to discuss for the least amount of time. Steelers at Chiefs. Chiefs minus 12 and a half. Don't know why this game was put in prime time. Uh, I tweeted out uh, the Chiefs beat the Steelers 36 to 10 three weeks ago. And I tweeted out this stat that Kansas City's defense is the best in the league against short middle passes, and Pittsburgh's offense is 30th. 30th in DVOA on short middle passes, and by the way, uses those passes more than any other team. (laughs) But this is in prime time. I figured it out while you were saying it. This is in prime time because Ben Roethlisberger's last game. Yeah, I guess. probably what we're looking at there. Why? Why? Why are we doing this? Why couldn't they tied? Why did the Chargers just tied, man? What? What are we doing here? No. I. I mean, it's, the, the issue here is try to talk us into the, the the idea that the Chiefs will. I mean, you could maybe talk into the Steelers covering, but yeah, it's. I mean, you know, is there a chance that the Chiefs lose? Sure. Is it a likely something that any of us would pick? No. I think T.J. Watt would have to go supernova in this yeah. game for their defense to have a chance mm-hmm. because that last game they played, the Chiefs kind of carved them for the entire game. And it was a cat. It wasn't like they played like their most perfect. They just dominated the entire mm-hmm. game. Right. Well, not the entire game because in the fourth quarter they laid down like dogs and Pittsburgh <laughs> – like stuffed their offense and then scored a touchdown. But for three quarters, they dominated. 
Uh, they have some kind of way of, of reversing uh, Patrick Mahomes' crazy interception luck back to where it was at the beginning of the season. Maybe they had the chance. They're going to have to just like try to grind Mahomes into the ground with Watt and company and get a couple of lucky bounces and interceptions. They'll get what? their sacks. They will. Yeah. They'll get their sacks. Yeah. Mahomes has been done that good against pressure. I, don't, you just, I have no idea how they even started talking. That Steelers offense is going to possibly put out the worst offensive showing in a playoff game that I've ever seen. And I watched <laughs> uh, you, missed, you must have missed Jake Delhomme's six interceptions. Oh, my God. There you go. Player. That was I horrendous. Was, Holy cow. I watched the Bill Jaguars from 2017. That is That was pretty bad, too. That was bad, bad offense. But Ben might take the cake in this game. It's just the things that they do often, they're not good at. And the personnel that they have, like what they're – Chase Claypool is a great deep threat. Deontay Johnson can be a good deep threat. Ben can't get the ball 15 yards. <laughs> this is not set up well for this game. All right. Do any of us want to take the Steelers in the points? <laughs> no. no. No, we don't. I mean, I, the FO Plus official picks take the Steelers in the points. I, I teased it down, and I took the Steelers with 14 and a half as part of a parlay. They right. get me the two touchdowns. You can you can tempt me. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm not taking those points at all. I think I would take the Chiefs minus 12 and a half. It feels like the Chiefs will score how many many points they want to score. And with the, with the yep. coverage, like, would, do they care in the fourth quarter? You know what I did at ESPN for ESPN's best bet? I took Ben Roethlisberger over one and a half touchdowns. All right. Because of the idea that, first of all, because of the idea that the Chiefs might let them score in the fourth quarter because they're right. winning by 30. And second, because it had plus 155 odds. Damn. That's they a might, nice payout. This might be like Kobe's last game as a Laker where he like shot the ball 40 times or like 60 yep. times. Ben's going to, sh- to throw the ball like 60 times for like 155 yards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there man, is no. You thought, man, you thought that Monday night game was bad. <laughs> Roethlisberger's over for passing yards is 230. I don't want that. <laughs> passing touchdowns, what Aaron said, that's a pretty enticing play. The interceptions are a 0.5. I don't know if I really want that. Mm. For completions, it's at 24 and a half. I don't like that over. And longest completion is 34.5. I am not going to go on Ben, ben Roethlisberger throwing a 35-yard pass. There's nothing. Oh, there's oh nothing. it would all be yards after the catch. It would all be yards after the catch. It would have to be a yak play. Yeah, you <laughs> found the play there, and that was the like two-yard screen pass. Right, right. All right, let's move on to a better game, the last game, the big Monday night game, Cardinals at Rams, Rams minus four. These two teams split, and as befits their weighted DVOAs, the Arizona Cardinals won the early game on week four, and the Rams won the later game in week 14. By weighted DVOA, both of these teams have declined on offense during the year. The Arizona offense is down to 18th in weighted DVOA, and if you take out the three Colt McCoy games, it doesn't change. Wow. The difference is defense and special teams where the Rams have gotten better over the course of the year, while the Cardinals have gotten worse in both defense and special teams over the course of the year. This is going to be an interesting game for um, a couple of reasons. Uh, one of the things I wrote about for any given Sunday is the Rams' hopes this season in the playoffs 
are going to lie on Matthew Stafford. He is the quintessential knife kid meme where he's like, little kids run around with a knife and he's like, what do you have? A knife! No! That is Matthew Stafford. Sometimes it'll look great and sometimes he will throw an interception in the double coverage where I'm just not wondering what he, I'm wondering what he was thinking. Like that interception, the first interception. Is there a prop on if Stafford throws an interception from inside the Rams 25? We'll find out. Hold on. I would hammer those odds. That's the Matt Matt Stafford play. It's the interception in the double coverage and then the pick six in the home territory. There's not a lot posted for this game right now because it's the Monday night. Because it's the Monday night game. Yes. But I do, I do think the um, the Cardinals' offense has kind of fallen off, like you said, mainly like Kyler being injured and coming back at not a hundred percent really hurt that team because a lot of their offense is Kyler go do something really cool <laughs> or DeAndre Hopkins go make a play. There's no DeAndre Hopkins, so we're relying on AJ Green go make a play, which he's done. Like, I'm surprised at how good A.J. Green's been. Shoot, which Antoine Wesley has done. Who the heck Antoine saw that? Antoine Wesley is making plays. Shout out to Antoine Wesley. But I think this – the last game they played against the Rams, um, Aaron Donald kind of just took over that game, which I'm really worried about happening again because that's the same offensive line that's going to be playing on Monday. Like, the uh, Cardinals' offensive line was fully healthy in that game, and the first play of the game, Aaron Donald bull rushed the right guard into the dirt. So that might happen again because Aaron Donald's Aaron Donald. But for the Cardinals to win this game, they're going to have to exploit the matchups at the second level amongst the linebackers and amongst the secondary. The Rams secondary hasn't been as good this season. You know they're going to want to have Jalen Ramsey in that star position. But the problem is they don't have John Johnson or Troy Hill this year. No, they have Eric Weddle coming out of retirement. Yeah, man. Um, Sure. (laughs) <laughs> he's got a beard just like mine look if eric weddle is going to come out and play go ahead i don't know anything about it. like if eric weddle's any good I mean, he's been keeping his shape by coaching his 12 year old's team which is like again sure let's, let's do it it's 2022 baby let's get let's get crazy but, like i said this game is going to lie on the arm of matt stafford if he ends up playing well then the Rams should win this game, but you never know if Matt Stafford's going to play well because he is a walking Russian roulette. <laughs> God, wow! <laughs> By the way, that meme—that was the first time you complete. I had no idea what you were talking about. <laughs> he, definitely, I definitely, I aged twenty years when you mentioned that meme with the kid with the knife. Never saw it. So that's okay. We talked earlier, will- JP. About- the fact that you were not alive when the 49ers and Cowboys played their classic 90s games. Ah, that is that's kind of crazy. <laughs> like, wow. Yeah. We're we're you we're, we're age shaming JP again. We got it, we got it. Wow. <laughs> no, I think we're age shaming ourselves, dude. It's better to be young than to be old, please. I agree. I'm just saying I'm not the youngest guy in one of these things anymore. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. Joey says Weddle is the right size to play with the 12-year-old. That would be hilarious content if Eric Weddle's just decking some 12-year-old. I think the the biggest issue here is the Rams just rule in the freaking trenches. Yeah. Right? ESPN's trench measures, the Rams are number one in three of them. And they're 12th in run block win rate. 
The Cardinals, on the other hand, are 12th or lower in all four of ESPN's trench measures. That's actually really interesting because I do think the Rams' pass blocking hasn't been as great because while Andrew Whitworth has played really well, going to the shotgun kind of offense that fits Matt Stafford the best, they don't really have like the person on the interior. They have a lot of lighter guys at the guard and center position that work well in that wide zone boot play action offense. Matt Stafford really doesn't operate like that. He's done that more recently as the season's gone on, but that's they those things don't really mesh. I do think the card get a huge boost in the pass rush if JJ Watt is gonna play. It's seeming like JJ Watt's gonna play, yeah. which is insane because he, I don't know how he keeps doing this. Someone asked him in a press conference if he was going to play on Sunday, and he said, I'm not going to play on Sunday. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Which is true. I can guarantee for you that J.J. Watt will not be playing on Sunday. I mean, sign with the Buccaneers like all the other old timers and go go get a ring. (laughs) Do it real fast. Him and Antonio run out together. He's going to bounce around from team to team over the weekend to get back into football. (laughs) Right, right. All right. Rams minus four. What are your picks? I, I have no sense of this game whatsoever. I have no feel for it. I mean, Rams minus four sounds fine. Uh, like you said, the Cardinals are trending in a weaker direction than the Rams have trended lately, and that's that's enough for me in this. The, the Cardinals are cratering offensively over the past, over the past yeah. month and a half or so. I mean, I, I'm taking the Rams. I know Stafford can can easily throw the game away, but he's also can. He also can play still at this point, and I, I just don't trust the Cardinals. I just right. don't. It's This is a really tough game for me to pick because Michael Stafford has thrown the game away, but against the Cardinals the last time, he won that game. Yeah. Right. So it's going to be tough. I'm going to say the, the Rams. I don't feel comfortable about it at all because I think Kyler Murray can go supernova at any moment, and like I said, Matt Stafford can – Self in the eye with a nerf dart. <laughs> I um, we've come sounds familiar, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. I, I guess I'm the strongest one of us. This is my strongest favorite of the week. Huh. I like the Rams minus four. This is my strongest favorite of the week. I think okay. these are two teams that have definitely gone in opposite directions. In particular, I just think the Rams totally dominate in the trenches. And I think I like, I mean, you know, again, right, NFL, you know, anything's possible. But of all the favorites this week, this is my favorite of the favorites to win. And if you care about playoff experience or anything like that, the Rams are a much more experienced team. Their coaching staff's more experienced. Right? Sorry, this is not my favorite of the favorites to win. This is my favorite of the favorites to cover. Okay. Kansas City is my favorite of the favorites <laughs> to win. Perfect. All right, that does it for our Super Wild Card Weekend preview. Thank you to everybody who has joined us today. Thank you again, as always, to everybody who comments and asks questions during the show. We really appreciate it. If you're uh, listening afterwards on the Football Outsiders Podcast Network, don't forget that coming at 1 p.m. Eastern Time on Twitch or YouTube means you get to ask us questions during the show, which is like, you know, something that's fun to do. Thank you, JP. Thank you, Brian. Thank you, Mike. Uh, Scott Spratt will be here tomorrow at 1 p.m. Eastern with a fantasy DFS preview to help you play DFS for Super Wild Card Weekend. And 
I will be back on Monday with Ian O'Connor to review all the coaching decisions and big plays from the weekend. And then we'll be back next week and we'll get to preview the divisional round. The Packers and the Titans come to play. So until super then, super divisional round. Super divisional round. <laughs> enjoy, enjoy super wild card weekend. And I'll see you on the next show. Thank you for watching and listening. Take care, everybody.